Watch and listen to the talking news every day at 12 noon and 6 p.m. on Channel 96 Comcast Xfinity and Channel 30 Verizon Fios. It can also be heard Mondays and Tuesdays at 4.30 p.m. and Wednesday at 12.30 p.m. on Channel 9 Xfinity and Channel 29 Fios. Listen anytime on the BMC Podcast Network on SoundCloud and iTunes. Just search for the Belmont Media Podcast Network. And now on to the talking news. Local athlete training with the U.S. Baseball Women's National Team by Joanna K. Zavallis. Incoming Belmont High School senior Katie Reynolds has been the only female player on the varsity baseball team for at least the past six years, according to BHS Athletic Director Jim Davis. To get on the team, she had to write a letter to the Massachusetts Interscholastic Athletic Association to explain why she wanted to play baseball instead of softball. Reynolds, who plays both pitcher and third base positions, said she started playing the sport at a young age playing catch with her dad. She enrolled in Connolly League uh, at Belmont when she was five. She went on to play Little League and travel for Belmont and hasn't stopped playing. Her ultimate goal is to play for Team USA at the World Cup this summer as she is one of 34 players chosen to be part of the 2019 USA Baseball Women's National Team Development Program, which was held in Carrollton, Texas on August 7th through the 10th. Last summer, Reynolds tried out for the USA Women's National Team in Cary, North Carolina, and made the 40-person trial roster. This was an incredible experience and the first time I really got to play with other girls on my team. I loved it, said Reynolds. The Belmont Citizen Herald caught up with Reynolds via email to get to know her a little better and find out how she feels about this summer's opportunity. Why do you play baseball instead of softball? Well, my freshman year of high school, I played for the varsity team to give it a try. Many times I was asked why I play baseball instead of softball, and I wanted to keep an open mind and see if I liked it. I didn't. The the primary reason was because I'm a pitcher, and the mechanics are very different, so I couldn't uh, couldn't pitch in softball. That took away a lot of the fun for me. I continued to play in-town baseball that season, and I still and I was still having a blast and competing, so I decided after the first season I would return to baseball for the school team as well. What are the options for a teenage girl wanting to play baseball? I always thought I was the only girl playing and was used to playing with boys only. That was always great because my Belmont teammates have always been so awesome. I still play for BHS. There are a few different opportunities that have come my way the past few years. In addition to USA Baseball and Major League Baseball development programs, there's also a group called Baseball for All that hosts tournaments for girls. I'm very proud to be part of the Boston Slammers, and we just played in the national tournament in Rockford, Illinois this this week and came in third out of six teams in 18 and under competition. It was really fun. Have you ever felt particularly challenged as a female athlete in a male-dominated sport? 
Not really. I've been super lucky that since Little League, I've had amazing coaches and teammates who have always made me feel welcomed and part of the team. Sometimes the other teams point a little or get a little extra upset if they strike out against a girl, but I got used to that pretty quickly. Generally, everyone is really supportive. What is it like to be chosen to participate in a program with a women's national team? How familiar are you with the women's baseball played at that level? It was so awesome. I'm so honored to be selected for this opportunity. I've been working out so hard practicing to prepare for the tryout. I really started to understand the opportunity to play at the international level last year after I attended the Open USA tryouts. They do stream the World Cup games on YouTube, and I watched all of those. I got to know a lot of the players from their tryouts and consider them friends and role models. I can't wait to play for them again next week in Texas and hopefully in Mexico representing USA Baseball. Why are you the most excited about a training camp? Have you ever been around so many women's baseball players? As I mentioned before, this is similar to tryouts last year and some of the other development events. What's especially cool about this one is that returning players from 2018 playing and getting to work with them, as well as Veronica Alvarez, the head coach, who is such an inspiration. Who was your favorite baseball player? That would be Pedro Martinez. He inspired me because he's smaller and had to work so hard. It makes me feel like I can reach my goals, too. What is your advice to fellow females who want to play baseball instead of softball? Practice and work hard. My dad and I have been pitching on any mound we can find, playing long toss, and have attended every clinic and camp Belmont provided. Don't be afraid to be the only girl. Your teammates will respect you when they know you can play. And now over to my colleague, Claire. Thank you, Bob. An outpouring of support for local family. Quick response to Belmont Mother's Sudden Passing by Joanna K. Zavellis. Rebecca Dean was a well-known presence around town as a supportive, loving mother and wife. On July 27, she passed away at the age of 45 after a three-week battle with a malignant peripheral nerve sheath tumor associated with neurofibromatosis. She leaves behind her three children, Grace, 14, Craig, 11, Mark, 9, and her husband, Jeremy. Close friends of Dean were shocked by the news of her illness and began a meal train to assist the family while she was undergoing treatment. After the news of her death, a fundraising campaign was started by Jenny Kreese, Nina Bigar, and Christine Burke to help Jeremy pay for childcare and medical bills. In just 24 hours, more than $20,000 has been raised. Burke knew Dean from her time spent with her children at the Underwood Pool and as a fellow Burbank Elementary mother. Burke described Dean as a light of a person. Her children are so sweet. They are such a reflection of her, said Burke. Amy Zuccarello knew Dean since their children were in preschool together. She said Dean always looked out for other people's children as if they were her own and was a constant force volunteering for school events and extracurricular activities in her, her children were involved in. 
She was an embodiment of everything that's great about the community, and it leaves a devastating hole for her family and the community at large because she was just such a wonderful person, said Zuccarello. Now over to Max. Thank you, Claire. Purple Heart Day, a service honors soldier by Joanna Cates of Ellis. Two-time Purple Heart recipient and Belmont resident Sergeant Edward Teddy Lee who was killed in action by a sniper's bullet in Vietnam on May 13, 1968, was honored during Belmont's observation of National Purple Heart Day on August 7. Lee received his first Purple Heart when he was shot in the leg during, a, during battle on August 25, 1967. On October 23, 1967, Lee was wounded a second time when he was hit with grenade fragments and received his second Purple Heart. Lee's two si sisters, Pat DeCout and Barbara Hanley attended the Purple Heart Ceremony. Assistant Belmont Police Chief James McIsaac, one of the featured guest speakers, spoke about Lee, a 1964 Belmont High graduate and star football player who postponed attending Northeastern University to enlist in the U.S. Army. Lee served two tours in Vietnam. While serving with the 101st Airborne Division during his first tour, Lee received two Purple Hearts and a Silver Star. He was also awarded posthumously with the Bronze Star with Valor for his heroism at Binh Dinh. McIsaac recently proposed naming the town field basketball and pickleball courts after Lee because it is where Lee spent much of his youth. The select board approved this proposal on January 28th and the dedication will take place after the town field playground is renovated. In his speech, McIsaac said, it is impossible to have a conversation with anyone who grew up with Teddy and not have the conversation include Town Field. McIsaac also spent much of his youth at Town Field. He said, life stories like Edward Lee's need to be remembered and retold. Naming the courts after him will help assure not only that he is remembered, but that the sacrifices made by other Belmont Vietnam veterans will be recalled. Select Board Vice Chairman Adam Dash also spoke about the sacrifices made by the veterans who earned Purple Hearts, the doers, who deserve to be recognized because they knew what was right and got up to do it. This attitude is not only the backbone of the military, but also what makes Belmont great, said Dash. The town of Belmont officially proclaimed itself a Purple Heart community on December 14, 2015, and was designated a Purple Heart community by the Military Order of the Purple Heart on April 22nd. The Purple Heart is awarded to members of the armed forces of the U.S. who are wounded by an instrument of war in the hands of an enemy and posthumously to the next of kin in the name of those who are killed in action or die of wounds received in action. Chartered by Congress in 1958, the Military Order of the Purple Heart comprises military men and women who received the Purple Heart for wounds suffered in combat. Although membership is restricted to the combat wounded, the organization also supports all veterans and their families with a myriad of nationwide programs by chapters and national service officers. Over to you, Bob. Thank you, Max. Working for wildlife, celebrating conservation successes of 2018. During the past year, the National Wildlife Federation and its 51 state and territorial affiliates made significant progress toward achieving the goal of the NWF's new strategic plan, which focuses on protecting habitat, 
strengthening wildlife conservation, and connecting people with nature. With thanks for your support of this work, we present some of the year's notable successes. Fire and water are elemental opposites. But when it comes to conservation, restoring wetlands and the natural cycle of fire-prone landscapes is key to sustaining ecosystems critical for healthy wildlife populations. In 2018, the NWF helped protect rivers and wetlands by lobbying for the inclusion of conservation initiatives in the Water Resource Development Act, which was signed into law in late October. The new NRDA advances construction of the Evergrade Agricultural Area Reservoir, which will help reduce polluted discharges that trigger toxic algae blooms and allow fresh water to flow into the Everglades. It also forces the U.S. Army Corps of Engineers to consider natural infrastructure solutions for flood and hurricane defense, such as restoring inland floodplains, coastal wetlands, and dune ecosystems that buffer against storm surge and flooding. These reforms will help both people and wildlife, said Melissa Samet, the NWF's Senior Water Resource Council. The Federation met one of its top legislative priorities when comprehensive forestry reform was included in the appropriation bill passed in March. This will ensure better safety in fire-prone areas by increasing the amount of dedicated funds for firefighting and prevention, said Laura Daniel Davis, an NWF's Vice President of Conservation Strategy. An added bonus, cash critical for fighting a growing number of fires will no longer drain the U.S. Forest Service and Bureau of Land Management budgets freeing them for conducting forest restoration that could result in fewer fires. By proactively restoring our forests and addressing the underlying conditions exacerbating megafires, we will ensure that our forests are healthier and future fire seasons are less destructive, said NWF President and CEO Colin O'Mara. Among other 2018 habitat victories, the NWF prevented rollbacks to the National Environmental Policy Act, uh, which is to check on potentially harmful development. Also, the Federation helped block several legislative riders that would have weakened Clear Water Act protections and is suing to oppose any delay or repeal of the Clean Water Rule, which remains in effect in 22 states. And finally, the NWF and affiliates gained support for the uh, Great Lakes Restoration Initiative, the Chesapeake Bay Program, the Gulf Restoration Program, the Delaware Basin Restoration, Bighorn Sheep Protection in Idaho, and Sage Grouse Habitat Protection out west. And now on to Claire. Thanks, Bob. Working for Wildlife transforming wildlife conservation and building a powerful coalition for species recovery. Oil and gas companies, politicians from both sides of the aisle, conservation groups, and outdoor recreation businesses may seem like strange bedfellows. But thanks to strong leadership from NWF and its affiliates, many of these groups have come together to support the Recovering America's Wildlife Act. 
a groundbreaking piece of bipartisan legislation that would redirect $1.3 billion in federal funds towards state programs to recover at-risk wildlife. Currently, states get a large portion of their wildlife conservation funds from hunting and fishing license fees and taxes from the sale of hunting and fishing gear. Consequently, conservation has focused on fish and game species, leaving a vast number of non-game species such as the swift fox and California's sister butterfly to suffer from inadequate funding. State wildlife action plans identify about 8,000 animal species in need of proactive conservation and specify how to help recover and protect these species, work that would be possible only with dedicated funding for boots on the ground. That's where the Recovering America's Wildlife Act comes in. It would tap existing government revenue generated from federal oil and gas lease sales and redirected to funding wildlife action plans. Far from a one-time lump sum, the legislation would provide $1.3 billion every year, ensuring states reliable and consistent funding to restore species over time. It's a game changer, says Naomi Edelson, NWF's Senior Director of Wildlife Partnerships. It would be the most significant amount of money for wildlife conservation in a generation. As this issue went to press, the bill had 113 U.S. House sponsors, with support almost equally divided between Republican and Democrats. It is also supported by a huge national coalition, including oil and gas companies, conservation groups, and businesses. Why? Because healthier wildlife and habitat means a healthier business environment, Edelson says. It's good for wildlife, it's good for taxpayers, and it's good for businesses. Other major wins occurred during the recent midterm elections when several states passed ballot measures backed by NWF and its state affiliates that support conservation. Among the most important wins are Connecticut passed a measure to establish strict requirements governing the sale of public lands. Florida banned offshore oil and gas drilling in state waters. Georgia passed a measure to dedicate a percentage of sale tax from sporting goods stores to support land conservation. Nevada approved an initiative demanding that the state draw 50% of its energy from renewable sources by the year 2030. In addition to these victories, the Federation won lawsuits to maintain methane pollution limits set by the Bureau of Land Management and also won increases in federal renewable energy spending and climate science research. Now, here's Max. Thanks, Claire. From Community Conversations, Home Energy Scores, Disclosing Your Home's MPG, by Roger Colton. Belmont's annual town meeting this spring made a strong statement in support of actions taken by the town's Energy Committee to pursue the town meeting-endorsed objective of substantially reducing carbon emissions in Belmont. By an overwhelming vote of 196 yes to 14 no, town meeting approved a resolution endorsing the proposed roadmap by which Belmont can achieve its greenhouse gas emission reduction objectives. The resolution approved by town meeting was non-binding. The resolution itself, in other words, didn't require anyone to do anything. Now comes the hard part, 
to put that conceptual res resolution into practice with specific action steps. The Energy Committee is preparing such specific action steps for town meeting to consider. One such step is required disclosure of the energy consumption of Belmont homes at the time of sale. Requiring such disclosure is neither revolutionary nor even particularly unusual. Consider, for example, the required disclosure of fuel efficiency at the time of an automobile sale. Nearly everyone is familiar with the notion of how vehicles are rated by their miles per gallon. Indeed, MPG is one of the major factors many folks consider in deciding which vehicle to purchase. In addition, consumers are familiar with the yellow energy guide labels affixed to new appliances they might consider buying. Those energy disclosures inform consumers of both the estimated annual energy use, usage of a new appliance and the estimated annual cost of using that new appliance. Through such disclosures, consumers can compare one appliance to another and use these comparisons in deciding how they wish to spend their money. Consumers, however, can only make those decisions if they are provided the information. Procedures exist to, in effect, determine an MPG for homes as well. Such home energy ratings can be obtained at little or no cost through existing state programs. As with automobiles and appliances, it would thus be not be unreasonable for Belmont home sellers to use such procedures to inform potential buyers of what MPG has been found for the home for sale. Given that information, it would be up to the home buyer to decide the extent to which, if at all, the home energy rating would affect their decision to buy or not, or not, or on their decision on what price to pay for any particular home. Through these buying decisions, the market would decide the extent to which, if at all, a seller might want to improve the energy efficiency of a home before placing that home on the market. Some home buyers may not care how energy efficient a home is, just as some gas buyers, car buyers continue to purchase gas-guzzling SUVs rather than more efficient models. Other buyers may care a lot. They may decide to buy a different home, or perhaps if a buyer wanted a particular home badly enough, even though the home was energy inefficient, the buyer might offer a lower price in order to keep more money to allow the buyer to make beneficial energy improvements after the sale. Outside of disclosing the energy score for the home being sold, however, the home energy rating requires a home seller to do nothing. The result of disclosure would simply be that, as with vehicles, if a buyer is about to purchase an energy-guzzling home, they would know that before the purchase. The Belmont Energy Committee's most recent inventory of greenhouse gas emissions in Belmont found that the overwhelming majority of GHG emissions in our community come from the residential sector. And while the majority of those residential emissions are associated with vehicles, emissions from homes comprise a substantial part of all carbon emissions generated in Belmont. Prospective home buyers in Belmont should be allowed to decide whether they want to purchase a home that substantially contributes to the degradation of our environment. In addition, Belmont sellers who make the effort to reduce the carbon footprint of their home should be allowed to let the market price their home the market price their home accordingly, relative to sellers who have made no efforts. To allow that choice, however, requires the disclosure of a home energy source uh, score, the equivalent of a housing unit's MPG. Belmont should move sooner than later to adopt such a disclosure for home sales in town. Over to you, Bob. Thank you, Max. Belmont Information Fair to be held on August the 27th. 
Belmont residents and prospective residents are invited to the 17th annual Meet Belmont Community Information Fair from 6 to 8 p.m. on August the 27th at the Belmont Day School Gymnasium located at 55 Day School Lane. Attendees will learn more about town departments, local government, schools, nonprofits, and volunteer opportunities. The event is free of charge and fully accessible. More than 90 exhibitors will be on hand along with local government representatives and others. Everyone is asked to support the Belmont Food Pantry with a non-perishable food or toiletry item. The Meet Belmont Community Information Fair is presented by the Meet Belmont Planning Committee, who also produces the Meet Belmont uh, Talk of the Town. The fair is co-sponsored by Belmont Public Schools with support from Belmont Light and Belmont Car Wash. And now over to Claire. Thanks, Bob. Library Lines. At the library, Museum Pass News. We now have print-at-home passes for these five area museums, Institute of Contemporary Art, Decordova Sculpture Park, Einstein's Workshop, John F. Kennedy Museum, and the Plymouth Plantation. When you book these passes online, you will see an option to print or email the pass to yourself for printing later. Don't worry if you don't have email or a printer. You can still come into the library, as always, and we will be happy to print your reserved pass for you. You can still reserve any of our passes by phone or in person, if you prefer. Please call 617-993-2870 with any questions. We offer all our museum passes to Belmont patrons, thanks to the generosity of the Friends of the Belmont Public Library. Library Friends, come and browse through the Library Friends everyday book sale in the main lobby of the Belmont Public Library. Gently used hardcover books and paperbacks for patrons of all ages and interests are on sale during library hours. There is an honor box for payment and all proceeds go to the Library Friends. The library friends greatly appreciate the generous donation of your gently used books. Donations should be dropped off in the shipping room in the back of the Belmont Public Library. Please do not leave donated books outdoors. A tax receipt is available from the library's reference desk. The friends of the Belmont Public Library help develop and fund such programs as One Book, One Belmont, the town-wide reading program, and purchase museum passes and equipment for the library. Now over to Max. Thank you, Claire. Council on Aging. The Belmont Council on Aging is located at 266 Beach Street. Maintaining brain health without drugs, the science behind new approaches to keeping your mind sharp as you age. August 23rd and 30th, six-week series. Join Yuval Malinsky for a six-part lecture series covering eight components of a comprehensive non-pharmacological approach to maintaining brain wellness. We will look at the advancement in understanding of the brain in the last 30 years and discuss those lifestyles that research has shown can reduce the risk of dementia. Cost free. Thank you to the friends of the Belmont Council on Aging for sponsoring this series. Yuval Malinsky is co-founder and CEO of Newton-based Vigorous Mind, 
that develops and sells a scientifically-based engagement and brain wellness platform for seniors. Dr. Malinsky taught a graduate course in emerging technologies in healthcare as an adjunct professor at Northeastern University, SPCS, and developed Northeastern's healthcare IT managers, uh, master's program. He was a mentor at the MIT Venture Mentoring Service for five years. Happiness Skills to Live Your Best Life with Debbie Lynn Tooney, RN, CIPP. 1.15 p.m., August 27th. Health is nothing without happiness. Debbie Lynn Tooney understands the life of today's active professionals. As an avid student of a happy and well-lived life, Debbie has walked the path of mind, body, spirit, and healing most of her life. Having worked as a nurse for 30 years, she appreciates the importance of health from the physical perspective. As a mind-body-spirit practitioner, she believes that true and absolute health and wellness come when our whole being is integrated and aligned as one powerful force. In this program, you will learn happiness skills that can help you unleash the best version of yourself so that you can lead a more meaningful, successful life. Back to you, Bob. Along with my colleagues, Claire and Max, we thank you for listening to the Talking News and hope you've enjoyed the show. We will return next week for another edition of Local News Happenings Around Belmont.